Hello and welcome to And Let's Be Heard for Tuesday, December 20th, 2022. I'm Mike Kachopoli. Okay, here we go. What do we have? Five days till Christmas now? Depending on how you counted. Yeah, five days. Actually, going on four days soon. We're getting really close to Christmas. Really close to Christmas. But because we're getting close to a holiday that everyone loves and enjoys company and family and friends and food, and it doesn't mean that the news stops, right? The news doesn't stop at Christmas. Maybe it should, but it doesn't. Um, so there's a lot going on, a lot going on. Um, there's a lot we talk about on this show, and there's some areas that I don't get into as much as I'd like to, because I feel that, especially now with all the Twitter stuff that's going on, all the revelations about the collusion with the FBI and Twitter and all the FBI agents that worked at Twitter and all this stuff, and all these new constitutional violations, First Amendment violations, you know, you can get caught up in that kind of thing. But there's a lot of other stuff happening too, right? There's a lot of other stuff happening too, like the immigration, like the border, like 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 all these things that are going on that matter, that do matter. And the general idea, as I headline this show, the heading Democrat deflections and fake news, it's amazing to me how when you look at the border, and you look at the millions of people coming across, you see the videos of them coming across in droves, lines and lines of people, right? Whether you like that or not, whether you have the ideology that this is great, that we're letting in millions of people every year from Mexico or Venezuela, whether you like that kind of thing, whether you're whether you think most of those people are good people and they just want a better life, or whether you think that's a bad thing that this country can ill afford to have all those people coming here now and relying on, we know that most of them come here because of the economic, they can take advantage of the economic programs, right? That a lot of Americans, especially white Americans, have trouble taking advantage of. And the fact that in this age of terrorism, we don't know, a lot of people aren't vetted, there are a lot of gotaways, so there's also that problem, right? Whether you have the point of view that this is good, you like open borders, you like a more lax immigration policy, whether you like a very conservative immigration policy, the, the numbers are the numbers, the facts are the facts. People are coming across. There are more. If you look at the numbers, there are millions more coming over now than there were doing during the Trump administration. The facts are Obama deported more people than Trump did. These are all facts. So the facts are now the border is not as tight as it was during the Trump years, not even close. But what amazes me is how Democrats can't even admit this. In other words, it just admit you are for open borders or more open borders. Admit it. And then give your reasoning. Oh, this country is based on immigration. The Italians came over. Whatever you want to talk about, whatever you want to say. We let in Italians, we let in the Irish, we let in all the Asians and the West Coast. It's a, we like it, it's a melting pot, let it happen. But they don't want to admit to this. So if you don't want to admit to it, then you must think that your idea ideology is wrong, that the majority are not going to agree with your ideology. So you say ridiculous things like pointing out the fact that more people are coming in now than during Trump is bad because that makes... That helps the cartels. You say stupid things like that. When I say you say, I mean like the White House, like Biden and, and Jean-Pierre, who speaks for Biden. And Democrats I see on television saying that Republicans, the conservatives who don't agree with this, 
are helping cartels by saying the border's open as though they don't know it because millions are coming across now. So pointing out there's a problem is the problem. That's the logic of these people. That's the problem. This is is democratic deflections. They don't only say stupid things like pointing out there's a problem is a problem, but or causing the problem. They say things like, well, it's a worldwide thing. And they're saying that with everything now. The economy, inflation, it's worldwide. We have no control. Well, why wasn't it worldwide during the Trump administration? Why? Why does, how can, is, is Florida not considered worldwide? How about Florida? The, Florida's economy is booming. Sweden, booming. But just look at this country. Forget about Sweden or Norway or Switzerland or France. Let's look at this country. States like Florida and Texas and Georgia with, with strong economies. They're not part of the world? Are they separate from the rest of the world? So these constant deflections by saying, oh, it's not our response to crime. They're doing it with crime. They're saying, oh, crime, it's all over. It's all over. It's everywhere. It's everywhere. Republican cities, it's all over Europe, everywhere. Crime's going up. Not our fault. But it is your fault, Democrats. It is. It's the fault of the Democrat policies. It's the Democrat-run cities where crime is the worst. These, These are facts. Okay? These are facts. It's Democrat-run cities where the crime is the worst. And much of that crime in Democrat cities is being inflicted by African-Americans. These are just facts. Now, you can look into that and say, well, okay, it's because of this reason or that reason, sociologically, this reason, that reason, oppression, money, economy. Yeah, you could, we can go into a million different reasons. But the facts are the facts. And if you don't want to admit the facts, then you're not going to be able to get anywhere. You're not going to be able to solve the problem. If you are too woke and worried about wokeness and political correctness to actually address the problem, it's only going to get worse and worse and worse. And so here in San Francisco, I mean, I can look at the stats in Chicago. I can look at the stats in New York. I can look at the stats in L.A. I hear people, you know, in New Orleans saying they're actually the the highest crime city in the country now, believe it or not. But I can only I, I see what I see here on the streets of San Francisco. And what I'm seeing is is, the, is third world country, banana republic type of stuff, which is like no civilization should have this. No civilization should have this. All the tents on the streets, the tent cities, the, the crime, the people shutting down their business because people who have small businesses actually say that they're they're having, you know, several break ins per month. I heard of one business that said she has a break in every day, every day. And it's driving small businesses out. It's driving people away. Look, the official number says over the last two years, about 60,000 people left San Francisco, which would be that's a large enough number in a city of 800,000. That's a, a large percentage. But believe me, it's about five times that. Remember, whatever the city says, whatever the official go- remember, this is coming from the Democrats, right? They run the city. They give out the numbers. So this is coming from them. So this is the official city number. Believe me, it's, it's, it's five times that. And not to mention, I mean, you can't track everyone that leaves. Think of that logically. How do you track everybody that leaves? If I left tomorrow, how would they know? How would that count? What if I don't tell anybody? They also don't know. How about the people who want to leave but can't? I believe those people should be included because they really want out because they don't have the resources to get out. If they're locked in for a job or a roommate or a relative or, or, or a relationship, whatever it may be, that doesn't mean they want to be here. 
So tell me, give me the number of people who want to still be here. In a city of 800,000, where the official number of those left are 60,000, it's about five times that amount. Then add in all the people who want to leave if they could. You know what? You have to give me the number of people who love it here, who don't want to leave. That's a small minority. And that's the way it is in many Democrat cities now. Believe me, there are people who would love to leave New York, love to leave Chicago, love to leave Philadelphia. But maybe these people have generations of family there. Maybe they've lived there their whole lives and they can't leave. Maybe they're taking care of a mother and they can't leave. Maybe they got a job that pays and they can't leave. But those people should count in the numbers of people who don't want to be in that city anymore. So when you add up the number of people who have left Democrat-run cities and the people who want to leave but can't, you're getting the overwhelming majority of those cities. Now, what does that do to a city? What does it do to a city where, and this, this also ties into immigration, okay? It also ties into immigration. Because you're talking about then people coming into your cities, like we know. People have been bused to D.C., bused to New York, so on and so forth, who have no real connection, no skin in the game at all to your town, to your city. Unlike you, who have maybe generations there, of family, of friends, roots. So now you have people who either have left the city, want to leave the city, or people who are bust in, who have no skin in the game and are very new, not only to the city, but to the country, right? Have no friends, have no family, have no jobs, living off the, the land, if you will. What does this do to the fabric of a society? Well, it, it destroys it. It destroys the fabric of society. And once again, I will look from the personal perspective of San Francisco. And it's not a place anyone really wants to live anymore. There are people here who have been here their whole lives. It's, it's, not, it's not common for the West Coast. The West Coast, you know, is very transient. But there are people who have been here their whole lives in San Francisco. And they say that they still love the city, that it still can be a great city, and they want to stay and fight for it. And you hear this in other cities too, right? But that's not like a glowing review, is it? It's not. And I see this on Twitter all the time. I'm not leaving my city. I'm fighting for it. But, but in, that, in that speech, they're saying that their city has gone to shit. So what's the quality of life for most people in cities like San Francisco and Democrat-run cities where crime is through the roof, small businesses are closing down, immigrants are taking over? What is the, what's the quality of life? I can tell you the quality of life for me here in San Francisco sucks. It's terrible. From the, from the big things like businesses closing, bad economy, crime, to even the small things of like nightlife and energy. And the, and, the, and the energy of the people here to actually do things and businesses to stay open late and have a thriving nightlife, to, to connections, to romantic connections, to everything, the quality of life sucks because there's a general malaise here. It's a general malaise. And as my friend who goes by domestic terrorist on Twitter, you've heard him on the show a few times, the Russian guy, he wrote today that, People keep saying, oh, this happens in cities, it's cyclical, San Francisco's had troubles before, they'll come back. And he makes the great point that, no, 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 this is something we've never seen before. This is something we've never seen before. This is very different. It looks different. It feels different. So don't be so sure that cities like mine, San Francisco, and yours are going to just come back. 
that it's just cyclical, that it's just going to happen. That's not the case. That's not the case. People are leaving for that reason. They don't see any optimism. They don't see like, oh, in three years or five years, it's going to be what it used to be again. If that were the case, many more people would stick it out. But they don't see that light at the end of the tunnel anymore. They don't see this as being like all the other times of ups and downs the cities go through. They see this as being very special, and it is very special. It's especially bad. It's incredibly bad. And by deflecting, by saying, no, we don't want to, we don't want to hear about it. We don't want to hear about the statistics. We don't want to hear about crime numbers in Democrat-run cities. We don't want to hear about the, the demographics of the people committing most of those crimes. Nah, uh, 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 you know, like little boy, little, little child putting the hands over their ears and screaming. We don't want to hear it. But that's the case. There is a real problem when it comes to respect. Respect for, you hear this all the time, people don't have respect for humans anymore. People don't have respect for fellow man. It sounds very big. But what it comes from is a lack of accountability by the people at the top. The people at the top lead, you see. So when the people at the top say it's, let's take it for instance, you know my favorite subject, COVID. When the people at the top say, we have to spit on the unvaccinated, we have to, we have to shun the unvaccinated, people listen. They follow the lead of the of the leaders. They follow the lead of the government. That's just the way people are. They're very submissive. I've talked about this before. I'll read an article shortly about Tim Robbins, the actor, the extreme leftist actor, who is now regretting, finally, someone coming out saying they were wrong and regretting how they treated people, how, he, they, how the Democrats treated the unvaccinated. I'm going to read about that. He was actually on Russell Brand talking about it. But this is part, but but why did that happen? Because there was a general mindset from the leaders. Once again, people saw their leaders saying it was okay to spit on the unvaccinated, right? So when the leaders say that, when the people in control say that, it lets people feel they can do that. Just like when people at the top say, well, you're not going to go to jail for robbing $1,000, under $1,000 in a store. We're not going to prosecute you. What's going to happen? People are going to say, okay, it's a free-for-all because the people at the top, the powers that be, say I can do this, and there'll be few or no repercussions. So that's what we're seeing. Lance, thanks for that. It's been a while, Lance. We'll get to you in one second. Um, but it, this is the problem. Is that, okay, we can use the old terminology, a fish stinks from the head down, but it really does. That really means something. People take their lead from the people at the top. And we're constantly seeing this now with Democrats, with these constant deflections. Constant deflections. It's not our fault. It's this. It's overseas. It's the economy. It's COVID. It's COVID. It's happening nationwide. It's the Republicans talking about it. That's the problem. It's all this bullshit. And they're not doing what Tim Robbins is doing. Tim Robbins, obviously, is one in a million, saying this was wrong, I shouldn't have done it, we shouldn't have done it, and we can't let it happen again. We're not getting enough of that for anything. Forget about just COVID, but crime, immigration, whatever it may be. We're not addressing the situation. We're deflecting, we're avoiding. Of course, we, not us, not me, not you, the Democrats are doing this, the White House is doing it. We see it all the time in those ridiculous press conferences by that Muppet. But it's just, you know, this is a problem. It's a huge problem. 
I'll talk a little bit more, but let me get to Lance, because Lance is, is chomping at the bit there. Hey, Lance, how you doing, Lance? Long time no speak. How you doing, man? Nah, I'm not chomping. I'm, I'm chill, man. Got a, glass of red, <laughs> got a glass of red wine on my right and a, a bowl of some uh, nice herb on my left. I'm, I'm chill. <clears throat> um, but yeah, so, uh, yeah, it's all, it's all, it's all, you, you, yeah, you're right on point. So, uh, here's one thing though. Uh, so, uh, as far as these folks that you're talking about that are, uh, committing these, you know, crimes and, uh, property crimes, stealing all this stuff and, you know, committing all this crime in the cities. Well, you know, the flip side of that is, you know what cures racism for all you lefties that don't like the idea of all these, these, like this racism that's kind of come out and it has more to the surface, you know, from the, from the far right. Good jobs, good jobs, because all of a sudden you're not so resentful. Understandably. Hello. I'm sorry. I know people. No, I'm serious. I'm I'm from, I'm from a, I'm from a middle-class background. And Hmm. so even though my prospects aren't necessarily much better, my economic situation is just as bad or worse than folks who have lived in the white folks who have lived in the inner city all their life, their resentment towards immigrants getting eight grand because they land here from another country and get eight grand to start with and a lot of help with, with cow, da, 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 da. Uh, and you know, uh, the idea of, and I'm talking about people who are perfectly fine with people of color. They're not like racist. They aren't, they aren't, but the idea of people that get, are getting welfare, but people that uh, have to work for it and all the rest of it, but yeah, good jobs helps. But here's, here's what we decided on another show. See if you agree with this, Mike, we're going to take over one of these Rust Belt cities People that just we'll just take it over and we'll uh, take over the buildings and uh, we'll buy some squad and others. We're not going to just only not buy. We'll buy some cheap ones and take over some other ones and uh, just take over one of these towns and show them how it's done. To hell with the elites because it's elites on both sides, you know, of the aisle, of course, right, left, you know, center. It's well, not when you say, well, I agree with you. Yeah, when you talk about jobs, but people have to want to work, and that's another problem now too. People simply don't want to work anymore. People, you know, there's this thing, Lance, going on, and Mike Rowe talks about this a lot, where people you – know, Mike Rowe hosted a thing called Dirty Jobs. It was a great show. But what Mike Rowe says is that too many people now, especially younger generation, think jobs are dirty, that having a job is a dirty thing that is below you to have a job job, not a sparkling celebrity TikTok millions of viewer career that these young hey, kids want to have. Mike, let me tell you something. I don't know if Mike Rowe was referring to this group of people. When I was 14 years old, I was living in a 98%, 99% probably white suburban Philadelphia suburb, you know. In fact, the only black kids in our whole school was like the best dancer at all the dances where everybody make a circle around Mike and his brother, who was the best football player on the team. I don't, I don't mean to be, you know, sound racist or stereotyping, but that's literally the only two black kids in our whole school. Yeah. Okay. And, uh, and, uh, and, uh, and, uh, and, uh, when I was 14 years old, my dad said, they're called working papers. Look into it. Your allowance is about to end. I'm like, huh? Why? I was like, uh, Eminem in that song. Say what? <laughs> what do what you talk with? You know, he's like, that's right. Pennsylvania. The law says you could work at the age of 14. Yeah. So find a job. He didn't even tell me where to go look. Yeah. He said, find a job because your allowance is going to be cut uh, in the next, you know, shortly. So I was like, what the hell? I got a job at a car wash. Right. And I was like, what the hell? I got to work. You know, of course, I was instead of the, the $10 allowance official, 
another 10 because I blew it by the end of the week and I needed another five here and five there. We'll wind up being 20 probably at the most, you know, it's back in the seventies. That was a lot of money, even for a suburban, you know, middle-class suburban kid, but you know, anyway, you know, and so, but so I went to work, I was making 30 bucks, working two days, 30, 40 bucks with tips and all that. So, wow, I was making twice as much working in a stinky inhaling fumes, car wash, you know, with cars out to the yin yang, out to the street in the wintertime, yeah. getting stoned at once. I worked there for a year in the summertime. It was like up in smoke movie. But the point is I, I, I did that. So the people that Mike Rowe's talking about, it's the white kids also in the suburbs who are privileged white. Oh, fuck. sure. No, it's, I'm not, it's, I don't think the job thing is a racial thing. I think the job thing is across the board, especially with the younger generation. They just don't. They, they, you know what the problem is now? The idea of like easy money, easy celebrity, right? You, you have these kids who are 18 years old who go on TikTok and they have, you know, 5 million, 6 million, 10 million view, uh, you know, followers more than most politicians or, you know, yeah. and, and, and they, and they think, well, look at this. This is, this is a great, I can, I can monetize this. I, 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 be, I could do a career of doing 20 second TikTok videos. Well, you yeah. know, it's, it's, you know, so the pro here's the thing, easy money, the idea of easy money and the idea, Oh my God, I'm going to have to work at a job where I got to get my hands dirty, where it's going to be hot in the kitchen. Oh no, that's way below me. That, that's, okay, that's, can that's, I that's ask you this question? I'm not saying you, right? How many when they're 40 or 35 or 40, are they going to still be dancing around on TikTok and, and, and have being the hipster, being the hipster TikToker? Yeah, they, you know, they don't, that, I, I often talk about people who get tattoos, you know, on the lower back right above their ass. And you think, well, that looks great at 20, but how's it going to look at 80? Well, they don't care about what's going to look like in 60 years. It's they so care. sick. <laughs> they that, only care. They only care about now, Lance. That's what the popular now. kids are at school. I know you're, I know you're talking truth because that's really happening in schools where it's like, yeah, the ones that are the cool kids are the ones that have the most followers on their TikTok. Mm -hmm. It's a big it's problem. Nuts. It's, it's a big, it's a big problem. Look, believe me, I, I'm not one of these people who are like, get a job, you commie loser. You know, I don't, I'm, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm not the get off my lawn. But what I'm saying is there is a problem right now and COVID policies didn't help that. With the government saying, here's your $1,200 check, to another month we'll give you another one, that didn't help the situation at all. It really didn't. Um, and, and so it helps to victimize people, right? We're victims and we need government to help us. We're not, forget about, go, forget about you know, helping ourselves. Wait a minute. Yeah, we're victims because the government said, stay home. You're not allowed to go to work. I, I, absolutely. No, no, there's no doubt. Well, that's the whole victimization cycle, Lance. Right, right, right. We tell right, you you right, can't right, work. Right, right. We can't you, you we tell you can't work, we're gonna give you money, you're gonna rely on us. You're not gonna rely on yourself. That's what they want. That's what they did as part of the new great reset. That's what they, they, they want us saying, Oh please, big government, please help us. Oh big government, please tell us what we can say on Twitter. Oh yeah, go, yeah, big yeah, government. Yeah, yeah. Mike, I'll tell you something. Half of what I say, if if someone listened to it on the left, anyone, anyone that would might uh, well no, if someone that's a savvy lefty who understands where I'm coming from would understand, but not the not the not the doctrinaire lefties. They would think I'm a right winger and they they call me that, you know, on Twitter or wherever I say this stuff, but they don't want to think about the fact NAFTA sucked and it did. Both sides say that NAFTA sucked, took jobs away and offshored them and NAFTA sucked. Oh yeah, but guess what? 
Guess what the for another okay originally welfare in the sixties was supposed to be temporary. They said, "Look, in other words, just like NAFTA, we're going to outsource we're going to outsource the job. Yep, it's going to hurt. Yep, but we're going to do retraining. We're going to get you people. We're going to go update. We're going to we're going to make sure we we take care of that problem that we know is going to happen. They admitted it, uh, and we're not going it's not going to be a long term thing. We're going to train you for better jobs and the next generation of jobs. Okay, never happened. Of course, it would just suck all the jobs away uh, and all that and." and the, the rest never happened. Well, guess what liberals, lefties, Democrats, yeah, guess what they did in the 60s? They created the Great Society program and said, we're going to have welfare. We're going to pay rent for people that are dirt poor, especially if they're moms. And we're going to have WIC. And we're going to have – those are real entitlements, not unemployment because you work for that. It's insurance. You pay into it as a worker. But true entitlements where it's just free money for people that did not earn a penny of it because they're poor. And it was supposed to be temporary, five years, and you're going to be off it. Yeah, two or three generations later, uh, you know, we had people that were just multi-gen, you know, generation after generation. Lance, uh, we're on Lance, we, it was we supposed know, to be temporary while we train you for the jobs that because we had a booming economy like, in the 60s. Yeah, yeah well, Lance, but uh, once again, the, the basic idea of it was not a problem. But we know now the government, when the government says temporary, they mean permanent. Don't we know that by now? We yeah, now it's right, crazy. Okay. Okay, we now, now we know that. Whenever the government says temporary for anything, whether it's the programs you're talking about, whether it's taking your shoes off, whether it's the TSA, whether it's the NSA, whether it's COVID, whether whenever they say temporary, they mean permanent. We, from now, so from now on, whether they say temporary, let's not believe them anymore. How about that? How about that? Yeah, 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 yeah. So uh, it's, it's uh, so, uh, yeah. But, but uh, you know, Jack Brewer, you know, if you watch Fox, there's a guy named Jack Brewer. Of course, they won't put him on CNN and MSNBC. Jack Brewer is a former... NFL player who now really works with young black youth, young black youth to, to really, you know, and he, he's a mentor for them. He's a mentor for young black youth with no fathers, especially fatherless young black men. And he talks about this all the time on, on, on Fox about how this is the fatherless children, the children with no father figures who end up for the most part, unfortunately, going the wrong way in life and becoming a lot of these criminals we see in Democrat-run cities who hurt and kill and rob people. And it's because they don't have that disciplinarian father figure saying, leading the way and saying, this is the way you do something. You do something wrong, you're gonna, you're gonna, there's going to be a penalty for it. They never have that growing up. So that's not their fault. But this is a problem. This is a problem. Very rarely, I, I think it's the first time I've mentioned fatherless kids on this show in 15 months that I've been doing it. But it, so it's, I, I'm at fault too for not talking about it. But we don't talk about this enough as a society. Children, young, especially young men, young black men in particular with no father figures growing up. It's a huge fucking problem. Well, see, that gets penalized too uh, in the sense of, Jimmy Carter said this, he said, we penalize unmarried couples you know that cohabitate because in other words if you're married no and if you're but if you're a single parent you can't have a mate you can't have your boyfriend there it's like the father of your kids or you're going to get less welfare um and so that's terrible but yeah no i mean uh, 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 you know the uh but also you know yeah I forgot what I was going to say next, but uh, the, uh, it's the, you know, I think it's the red wine, Lance, it's the red wine. Watch that red wine. I can't drink. Red oh, wine. no, no, no. I know what I was going to say. So much of this stuff, though. OK, so when you go back to before they did, quote unquote, 
uh, urban renewal mm-hmm. in the state of in Syracuse, a lot of other cities. It was uh, the uh, highway, building a highway, and they had to tear down these quote unquote blighted neighborhoods. And they did the math on these articles I read, even at the time and a little bit later, they said, no, there were just as many mixed, you know, uh, uh, either, you know, predominantly white neighborhoods in a straighter, flatter area that were even more blighted or equally because they were blighted, quote unquote. They were, yeah, they were lower middle class neighborhoods in a lot of cases. But when they destroyed these black neighborhoods, I read stories because they're redoing it now and they they finally broke it down, went back and looked at some of these stories and they said that. These older, let's say, retired black men would automatically be looking out for the kids if they knew that mom had to go do her part-time thing because dad was at a factory working. So, no, they have workers, but they, they, like the old stupid saying, it takes a village to raise a child. But it was like these people just automatically looked out for each other. Yeah. And it right, was like right. a very cohesive neighborhood. But right. when those neighborhoods got destroyed and those fabrics got destroyed – and they took, let's put it this way, they destroyed their boots, let alone their bootstraps, and to say, we're going to put you in projects, we're going to give you, quote unquote, and this is, again, Democrats, a lot of cases, we're going to give you, quote unquote, free housing, but they already owned houses and businesses in the neighborhoods. They weren't right. all renters and, you know, welfare, they didn't have it then. Before 1960s, mid-60s, there was no welfare. You didn't have subsidies for rent. So these were cohesive neighborhoods that had working class people in them and they put them in projects and they had no equity. Now they took away their potential equity and actual equity. And then from then on, they just destroyed their fabric. They destroyed these neighborhoods, gave them poor education because of the way it's funded through your zip code, you know, property taxes. And they just destroyed. They just gutted these neighborhoods. And it's like, this is what we have now. You know? But once again, it's a fundamental problem. It's not a problem you can def- you can necessarily just throw money at. Democrats love doing that, right? Let's just throw money at things. It'll, 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 and how much money if we, once again, doing things over and over again. You know what's interesting, even sad, though, Doing things you know over and over again that don't work. Corporations, corporations like, uh, you know, that want to defend our country, let's say, right? And corporations, you know, that want to do stuff. They, they, they think the government's just great. For getting money from them. You know what? Washington didn't used to be the center of where money is. It was New York. It was San Francisco more than L.A. in some ways. Everything's in Washington for decades now because that's where the money is. So the idea that throwing money at the problem. okay, I agree. If we're not going to throw money at the problem, uh, do you realize that 85 to 80, like 75 to 85 percent of of the big five defense contractors, money comes from direct from government, government, from government, from government, from contract. And they make planes for a living. We're talking Boeing. It's not like they're only doing military. They're not a military company. These are companies that make planes. These are companies that make lots of stuff. But 85% government contracts, 75%, 85%, government contract. So they throw money at a lot of quote-unquote problems that aren't really problems. But no, we can't throw money at the homeless problem. We can't throw more money. By the way, when they throw throw money at the homeless problem, it takes about 10 or 15, it takes about $15,000 to build a tiny home per tiny home. They budget to this set, how many billions every year for $250,000 per unit that they actually build through the government corrupt, democratically controlled, bright blue California. Don't get me wrong. You know me. Uh, you know, I criticize everybody. And if it's Democrats that are evil, I'll tell you. And yeah, so they put billions every year, every fucking year. It gets sucked down a corrupt rabbit hole and they spend $250,000 to build a couple thousand units when they need like a hundred thousand units and they could, they could build them for ten or fifteen thousand dollars each if they wanted to. Yeah. 
Yeah, well, you know, like I said, the fact of the matter, but you can't look when you're talking about money. Like I mentioned about young black kids not having a father, what, what's money going to do about that? That's a societal issue. What are you going to do? Pay black men to stay with their families and not leave the kids alone? You know, you yes, you yes, you pay for daycare. Yes, exactly. No, 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 no it's not daycare. I'm a real father figure. I'm talking about money's not going to make <laughs> money's not going to develop real father figures. You have to. This is a societal issue. You need to start teaching this from very young age. Take responsibility. Take responsibility. Take personal responsibility. Raise that child. Don't Do you have, live in those don't neighborhoods? Four don't wait. Don't have four children with four different women and just let them, you know, and then just leave. That's a societal issue that money's not going to take care of. People need to understand personal responsibility and how that is going to develop much more of a cohesive society with less crime and less poverty. You can't just, when you throw money at something, Lance, that's an easy way of saying, I don't want to deal with it. Wealthy people do it all the time, right? I don't want to deal with it. Here, take money. Here, take a check. I don't want to deal with your problem. I don't want to talk to you about your problem. I don't want to really help you with the fundamental problem you have. Here, take care. Take $10,000. That doesn't solve anything. Doesn't solve anything at all. And, yeah, and we, should, we should know that by now, because how much money have the Democrats thrown at homelessness? They've thrown millions and billions and billions of dollars at homelessness in places like New York and L.A. and San Francisco. And has it gotten better? No, it's only gotten worse. The more money they put in, the worse it's gotten because, because it's it was, not the answer. There are fundamental problems like, like drug addiction. Like it's, drug because, addiction. it's because it was spent corruptly. The same thing with drug addiction. The same thing with drug addiction. It gets spent corruptly. The money is not because these, we don't have answers to these problems. Other countries deal with it. Okay. So, okay. Here's the thing. Okay. This is the question that I just want to understand from anyone who wants to answer it. Um, uh, Mike or anyone. Okay. There's called the OECD countries, right? You know, there's the G7, the G20. Well, there's the OECD countries. There's 40 of them. I think there's 38, actually, because they can go off or on that because they have to be kind of relatively stable, fairly democratic. So Colombia's on there. Chile, mm -hmm. Cuba, I think, may, might. I'm not sure. Uh, a lot of Eastern European countries that are new to the EU. Uh, of course, all the countries you would think of, the industrialized countries, America and all that. Okay, it's called the – so there's 38 countries. And some of these countries, like I said, are like developing countries somewhat. They're not all fully industrialized, right? We're in last place or at best, at best. We're not in first place or in 10th place. We're like in 19th place. We're halfway down the list at best and all the way down at the bottom on infant mortality, on childbirth, more infant, yeah, infant, uh, quality of life and, uh, you know, or, and, uh, and, uh, just anything you want to measure, education level, all these things that we totally suck at. And the thing that the question is, whether you want to talk about throwing money at stuff, yeah, they tax people up the yin-yang in Europe, and it's not a utopia, but somehow they have universal health care and guaranteed uh, you know, vacation time and all these things that they have, and uh, not one person that I've talked to on call it or anywhere else that's in Europe, if I said to them, yeah, they like Trump. Oh, yeah, Trump's kind of popular over here. I said, okay, what if Trump went over there? He said, well, he's going to give you American-style republicanism. He's going to take <laughs> away all your no more free health care, no more guaranteed uh, vacation time, no more of any of the things you're getting. Got no more free or cheap education if you want to go to college because we're going to do American-style because you love Trump. They would tar and feather him and ride him out of town on a rail.
Yeah. Okay, that's not what the right wing in Europe trying to do is undo the social safety net because they're a bunch of Marxists and we took over now. And we're the right wing. Angela Merkel was a right wing. Okay, pretty far right. She wasn't just the center right. She wasn't a wacko right. She was like fairly far right, like conservative German, whatever the equivalent is. All right? And there's no way you're taking away their heavy duty social safety net. And so the idea that America can't do it is because we, it's, be, it's because we've allowed capitalism to run rampant and haven't socialized enough of our society and that's just all there is to it because that's exactly what Europe has done and that's why they don't have the homelessness that we have that's why they don't have the impoverishedness and the extreme level that we have even though it's not great it's, a, it's way better in terms of the basic needs of people and universal health care and all the rest of it. We're the only country out of 40, 38, the only one that doesn't have universal health care. And so don't tell me it can't be done because we're the richest country that ever existed in the, in the history of the world. So it's just that we suck as a people. I'm not even going to blame the politicians. We, we the. Yeah. Lance, thanks for the call. Let me, let me go to Daniel. As always, Lance, you're always you're always welcome, Lance. Always welcome, uh, Daniel. What's going on, Daniel? Hey, Mike. Hey. So um, here's a little bit of a slice of the San Francisco Bay Area. I, I took um, my kids out for dinner this evening and their respective uh, boyfriends and girlfriends, and um, in Berkeley, <laughs> and on the way there. There was probably around uh, around 6:30 on on I took Bart um, to get to Berkeley and on the way there there's at about 6:30 there's probably around 90% of the train was wearing masks, which was odd. And uh, on the way back, it was flipped. It was about 10% wearing masks. So going towards wait going from San Francisco towards Berkeley it was 90% masked. Yeah. Is that what you said? And coming back from Berkeley it was only about 10%. So four hours later, <laughs> and, and this must have to do with the time and, and, and the um, sort of the uh, clientele that rides the, the trains at that, at that time of the night. Sure. Um, and, and, and here's the, the, other, the other part of the story. So I just wanted to relate the mask biz part of this story first. But the most interesting part is that I am getting on the uh, – I'm transferring from uh, – to get on to at the MacArthur station, I'm transferring to get on the SF train and uh, get off uh, um, from coming from Berkeley. So I get up at the MacArthur station and uh, look up to see how long my wait is. And it says 31 minutes. And I'm like, what? I have never waited 31 minutes for a BART train before. So I'm thinking, what's going on here? And I'm walking along the platform there and I see some police. And um, and there, this, this train is just stopped, and it's just, you know, it's there for ten minutes, it's there for fifteen minutes, and finally, one of the uh, uh, cops, as I'm walking by, he, he he nods at me and acknowledges me, and then he just says, um, "Where are you headed?" And I said, "San Francisco," and he goes, "Yeah, it's gonna it's gonna be a while." And I said, "What's going on here?" And he says, "Well, we're doing a, a sweep of this train. It's a, it's an eight car train, and we pulled uh, three hundred people off of this train so far." Um, the people that they're they're doing drugs, they're smoking, they're uh, sleeping on the train. They none of them have tickets um, that is have passes to be on, be on the train. And they pulled 300 people at 10 o'clock, 10 p.m. 300 people off an eight car train is what he told me. Jeez, that's a, well. Look, this is a constant thing here. We see this. 
yeah. we see this here. Yeah, where I it's, have it's, no it's idea. A, there's yeah. a, right. This, but once again, this leads towards quality of life. It leads towards a, a, a very low, very low quality of life. And and it's 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 all encompassing. Whether it's crime, whether it's having to have someone uh, sleeping in a tent outside your apartment, whether it's someone doing crack or fentanyl on on the on the train next to you it's 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 all of this all of these things that add up and make people want to leave why why would anyone all, want to stay yeah and it's all due to the covid policy that you have in these blue states and and it, there is i just keep harkening back i've said this before on your show and i just keep harkening back to some words that anders tegnell said when he was questioned um, uh, uh, about, I can't remember who was interviewing. It, it might've been on uh, Unheard, which is a, a great podcast if you haven't ever um, listened to it. Um, uh, and he, he was questioning you know, about the, 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 um, the, the Sweden plan for COVID. And, um, and after, you know, a lot of questions about uh, herd immunity and infection fatality rate and mask and lockdowns and all this stuff, and he finally just said um, what the what the real truth was about uh, uh, Sweden's policy that would really motivated them to do the way they do the way they did. And he said, and he said, I don't think our society could tolerate being locked down. It would cause irreparable harm. And that is what has happened to blue cities, blue states, all over the United States. Irreparable harm. San Francisco went from a shining city on a hill, one of the most beautiful cities in the world, definitely one of the most beautiful cities in, in the United States, to a hellhole. Now, I walked home from the Embarcadero station a mile and a half to my place, and it was freakishly quiet out there. There was a vibe about San Francisco tonight that I have never felt before. It was just dead. And I don't mean dead in a quiet way. I mean dead in a soulless kind In a soulless of way. way. Yeah, the soul's been ripped out. The soul's yeah. been ripped out. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and it was, I mean, I you know, was here during the, the COVID stuff. And so I've seen San Francisco dead before. But this was creepy, especially getting off the BART train where 300 uh, people were being rounded up and, and taken off the BART. Um, and it was just like a freaking freak show on BART. I mean, mm -hmm. the, 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 the contrast between the 6.30 riders, which weren't all that great, and, and the, uh, the the 10.30 riders was just unbelievably different. And uh, it is, yeah, it's just a little bit of, just passing out this little slice of San Francisco Bay Area life to you tonight. This, like you said, this feels yeah. In one's guts, in one's bones, right. in one's heart and soul, the right. way our city and our, the Bay Area feels right now is creepy as fuck. Well, and look, once again, there, how about priorities? BART has been falling apart for a long time now. BART's been going downhill for a very long time now. So, you know, but what was the priority of, of the people who ran BART, especially Humpty Dufty, Bevan Dufty? What were their priorities for the last three years? You know what they were, right? Wearing, make sure you wear your mask. 
That was their priority. It wasn't people dying on board. It wasn't people getting raped on board. It wasn't people getting groped on board. It wasn't people getting robbed on board. It wasn't people doing crack or fentanyl and dying on board. It was make sure you wear your mask. Otherwise, we're going to fine you and we can throw you out. That, that, was, that was their priority. Yeah, and they that, made, that was all they spoke about. Yep, and they made writing, they made writing BART uh, so miserable because of those policies that um, people just left BART. The ridership went way down, and as ridership went down, that made it, you know, as you know, as is typical when uh, when uh, areas aren't trafficked so much, crime goes up. In yeah, the low, the, the low element, the low element takes over. Absolutely, there's no doubt about and, it, and that's and what's happening. So, yeah, and so when I'm talking to the the, the cops at tonight, they tell me they're you know they pulled 300 off off of the uh, the train, and um, and he says you know we're really trying hard to and these these are bark police, so you know they're they're, they're police. And and they do the job of every other cop in in the uh, city and county, um, but but they're especially assigned to BART. I'm just saying this for people that um, don't know what San Francisco BART is like. So so these BART, BART cops are there, and they're really trying to um, they're really trying to change things now mm-hmm. to to get ridership back up because BART is in a freaking deep financial hole right now because ridership is so bad. And and here you this is exactly why you had 300 people on an eight car train, none of which paid to get on that train. No, nope. no, it's very easy not to pay to get on the train. It's, it's very easy to pay to not. It's, it's, it's easy in every city not to pay. People jump the turnstiles in New York all the time. You, you know, go into and, a store and, and steal 900 bucks and walk out. And, and I've seen it happen in San Francisco multiple times. And they don't do anything. Ah, but this is something you see that there was a lot of pushback back in New York in the 90s. I was there. That was That's when I was on the radio there in the 90s. And there was a lot of pushback when Rudy Giuliani came in and started telling the police to arrest people who jumped turnstiles. And people were up in arms. Oh, big deal. Oh, you're making a big deal. You're wasting your time. No, because it was those people committing those small crimes that often ended up committing the larger crimes, Right. And decrease the quality of life in general. And decrease the quality of life in general, right, exactly. And, and that vibe, if you want to call it that, and that aggression that that starts at the bottom creeps up through the middle and all the way to the top until the whole society just feels like it's going to freaking crumble from the weight of soullessness. Right, and what happens when you arrest a guy? What happens when you arrest someone who jumps turnstile? Oh, look at this. You have three warrants out. Oh, look at that. You know, And so that happened a lot. So, you know, and, and so that was the point of that. That was a point of prosecuting the small crimes, right? The qual- He actually called it the quality of life stuff, the quality of life crimes, right? The small things that we often look the other way and go, oh, what's the big deal? But when you start, show, when you start showing the city, when you start showing the residents of the city, the, let's say the criminals in the city, the criminal element in the city, that you're going to crack down on that, then they know they're in trouble. And that... That's gotten that's gotten lost. Rudy took a lot of shit for that in New York from the from the left, you know. And, that, and that's and but in most cities that is the case now, right? They don't you can the cops not going to arrest you for jumping the turnstile. Cops not going to arrest you for jumping the turnstile at Bart. They just in fact they're mostly going to look the other way. It's, it's just, they're just not going to bother with it. They're not going to bother with it. And, yeah, and look, we, we, right. when you say that that uh, Democrats too often. I just want to throw money at problems, and it doesn't really solve anything. And the analogy I think you were drawing, I'm not sure if you completed it or not, is 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 uh, raising children. Um, 
if there are too many too many families that I know that are financially well off and have absolutely hellish children. And the reason they have absolutely hellish children is because they won't throw money at their kids. And the kids just expect that the money is going to always be there. They don't do anything with their life. They take that money and they're going out and they're partying and they're buying drugs and their their lives go to shit. And this it is it is that sort of um, ethos writ large on our society that is a problem right now. Where we throw money at problems, you don't want to, as you said, you don't want to get down and dirty and and talk to people and try to figure out what is actually going on with them. Just like these bad parents, they don't want to talk to their children. They don't want to find out what's going on in their lives and why they, they may be miserable, why they may be depressed, why they may feel like they, you know, that, that they have no future or whatever that might be um, really, you know, eating at these children. They don't want to do that. These are bad parents and they, they simply don't want to do it. So they throw, they've got money, they throw money at the problem. This is what's, what our society is doing. We don't want to really figure out the, the homeless problem. It's not homelessness, that's for sure. It's sure not that. It's addiction, it's psychiatric problems, that's what it is. So we don't want to really deal with it. So we throw money at it. And who gets the money? Well, as Lance was saying, a bunch of corrupt organizations get the money and they build little homes that, like Lance said, could be built for 15K and they're building them for 150K. You know, for, for something you could buy a four bedroom home in Tennessee. You know, you get that 10 by 10 room someplace in Oakland. You know, mm-hmm. yeah. it, it's, it's, it's absolutely fucking crazy. And, and this, this goes to fake news I was, I was alluding to in, in, the, in the title of the show. This is what I'm seeing today. I'm, I'm reading the news articles today from the Chronicle, the San Francisco Chronicle and stuff. And their and priority, I talk about priorities. The priority is to write about Elon Musk, right? Oh, Elon Musk fired people before Christmas. Oh, Elon Musk is making people sleep at headquarters. This is their priority. This is their fake news priority that they, 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 they want to talk about. Yet they don't talk about crime here. They don't talk about BART here. They don't talk about COVID policies killing the city. They don't talk about immigration. They don't talk about all any of this stuff that's actually real. The real stuff they don't want to write about. They don't want they don't oh my god, don't ever write about the FBI colluding with Twitter to take away to stomp on the constitution and to and to, and to stamp out free speech. Don't talk about don't talk about the FBI or Fauci or the NIH or the CDC colluding with Twitter to silence doctors like Jay Bhattacharya and Marty McCarry and amplify the voices of those like of Fauci and, 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 and charlatans like Tony Fauci. Don't talk about any of that. Don't talk about stuff that could have saved lives. Don't talk about that. Talk about how evil Elon Musk is because he bought Twitter, a guy you, who you sucked up to and kissed his ass, okay, until a month ago when he bought Twitter. You said he's the greatest billionaire ever because he's going, he's, he's, he's developing electric cars and he's into green technology. Oh my God, a billionaire who's into the Green New Deal. He's a, he's, heroic and then he buys twitter and as soon as he buys twitter all of a sudden he becomes the most evil person in the world don't people see through this bullshit this absolute bullshit and yet this is what they write about this is what they care about they care about news that doesn't matter 
They care about stuff that doesn't matter. That only matters to them and their fucking fetish. These journalists and their and their left wing fetishes that they have. That they have to hate anyone that they perceive at all to not be one hundred and ten percent on board with their extreme wacko left wing woke ideology. Attacking them is more important than writing about the things that matter. Absolutely, they shifted and sedged from TDS to MDS seamlessly. <laughs> and, and meanwhile, we have problems in the society that cut to the core of what a society is. And we have, and you can see it walking down the street, just looking at human beings, you can see it. You can see lives with no joy, no meaning, despair, just by looking at their bodies. Yeah, we a society. Absolutely. We have a society that is seventy-five percent overweight, forty-two percent obese. That is a symptom of something very deep in our society, and every single one of us knows that. Every single one of us knows that. Every single one of us has has talks to people that are in despair in this country, and it's and it was bad before COVID, and it has amplified. Tr- an order of magnitude, if you ask me, um, since this COVID, and, and I don't want to talk about COVID as COVID as a disease. I mean COVID as a reaction and as a policy, as, as we've talked about a number of times on this show. It's not the disease. The disease was basically a nothing, a, a gigantic nothing burger. And But the policy, the policy ripped the society is already having problems with its soul, to call it for lack of a better word. Just they, 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 they took a, a knife, a dagger, and they drove it into what would remain of that soul in the in blue states all over this country, in blue cities all over this country. Why did they do this? Is it, is it, is it really just politics that, that drove this? Because it seems like it is to me. I mean, we've had numerous examples of people in our in our own lives that um, that have stood behind this draconian policy simply because they thought Trump would wouldn't want us wouldn't want them or they're doing exactly the opposite of what they thought Trump would do, and that is all that motivated them was this obsession with Trump. Is that really what fucked our society up so royally? Because this, I, I mean, I, I was a kid in the 70s. I, I, I know what bad recessions look like. Um, <laughs> and, and, and the 70s was, were an absolute joy compared to the 20s. You had great music. You had kids out still having fun despite the fact that their parents were having a hard time. They had, I mean, but now it's, it's kids are in an awful state. Parents are in an awful state. Our cities are in awful states. Our states are in awful states. This is, yeah, I keep on harking back to Andrew Tengel's words. And when he just said that he thought that their society just could not tolerate, they were absolutely right. No society. No society can tolerate being locked down. It has never been done to a society before. How could anyone think that this would be sufferable, that people could do this? Human beings have never done this before. Well, just the, just the, 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 the Neanderthalic logic 
behind the idea, we've talked about this many times, the total medieval Neanderthalic logic, that, that literally caveman logic, that you can hide from a disease and it'll go away. I mean, that's what a caveman would think, right? That's, that's caveman science. It really is. It's Neanderthal science thinking, oh, oh, let's just hide from it for a while and it will disappear. Yeah. Who thinks that in the year 2020? So many people think that, Mike. They still are thinking that after three I years. Know. I know. I know. People they, like they, Fauci, scumbags like Fauci. Yes, absolutely. No doubt about it. But there's also, a, but there's more than that to it. We've talked about this before. Do they really believe that? Or is this part of their great reset? Does all of that lead to their great, you know, knowing it's not going to take care of the disease, obviously, come on, come on. What doctor, even if they thought three years ago it was going to work, still think three years later it's still going to work? Come on. I think the more obvious answer is that this is part of their new world order, their great reset. This helps that. This is part of it. You see, it's so, it's so much more nefarious than just being an idiot. It's easy to just call them idiots, right? It's easy to say that. Oh, he's an idiot. He's with a schmuck, this doctor, with a quack. But it's more nefarious. They take their marching orders from, listen to Klaus Schwab. Listen to Klaus Schwab. Klaus Schwab doesn't think hiding from a disease is going to stop it. He knows better. But this is part of their great reset, their economic reset. And the lockdowns help that. Well, they're resetting blue cities. And, and it's just the bizarre thing about this is, is, the blue city inhabitants, they're voting for this. They're voting for continuation, and they supported these no, but they, no, but, all but, along. But, no, but liberals, are, the problem with the liberals is it's so easy for them just to scoff it off as conspiracy theories. That's how they, that's how they, that's how they prevent thinking about it. That's how they really prevent thinking about it. And looking at the facts in front of them, they just say, oh, crazy, New World Order, Great Reset, even though there are books written about that. Even though Klaus Schwab wrote a book, it's called The Great Reset. George Biden has given speeches where he said The Great Reset and New World Order. These, and yet the liberals will say, oh, conspiracy theories. Conspir this is, the guy actually wrote the fucking book with that title. It's, it's yeah, insane. Well, they can, you know, they, they, they can, you know, whine or, or whine with, but they can excuse things away for a while saying, oh, you know, it's a conspiracy theory, but not even in blue cities are they doing that anymore. I mean, as of a year ago, uh, blue cities were, were catching on to the fact that they were self-destructing and San Francisco, for example, uh, uh, cleaned house when it comes to the supervisors and, and got rid of a lot of them because uh, of what was going on with relationship to law enforcement and in, in general, how the city was run. So they are, so even in blue cities, people are seeing, um, how, are having to admit to themselves how bad these policies were and how terribly they affected one, one another, uh, infected all of us, but still they're just not entirely letting go of it. And I mean, look, look at L.A., for example, ready to bring back mass mandates. Look at Oakland. They're bringing back mass mandates. Um, it's just. Yeah, Oakland just brought back mass mandates, I think, for what? For government buildings, they said. Yeah. 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 And, and they just don't seem to. I mean, so you see BART, for example, back to the BART example is, is, is something very specific. You know, it's going under financially. And all they have to do is say. Fuck the mask mandates. Um, we're making Bart as writable as, as it was three years ago. And, and that's all they had to do. 
to, to, to turn this around is, is stop treating people like, um, like they're animals and, um, and like they're diseased animals. And, and if, if they were to do that, and if they, we were to do this uh, across the board, and that's just not, not just BART, but in, in, in uh, government buildings, like, I've said, in, like, is, like in Oakland, and just in society in general, we just said, you know, we made a huge freaking mistake with this COVID business. Uh, it's time that we just stop all this nonsense. And if they did that, we would start seeing things recover. Mm-hmm. But they are, they are not letting go. And even though they can see it destruct the, the city destructing and their own families destructing, even though they can see that, they're still having a terrible time of letting go of this behavior because it is such a deep part of them, such a part of their politics, such a part of the narrative that they have been living for a long time and they just can't let it go. They just haven't found um, that twist in the narrative yet that will allow them to let it go. And I, and you can, and I can feel, I can hear them and feel them trying. Well, I, to... I, I said on, on Twitter when this is going to end. COVID will end when, when Biden's gone. And people say, oh, that's so easy. It's not going to be that easy. Well, it is, like I said, because people take their, their, their whether a Democrat or Republican, there will be a totally, let's say Ron DeSantis wins. There'll be a totally different vibe, if you will, man. There'll be a totally different vibe. But the vibe Ron DeSantis, Harris, yeah, the vibe Ron DeSantis. Harris, Democrat, it's not just Biden. If if a Democrat was to to come in office, another one, especially if it was someone like Kamala Harris, we would be wearing masks for the next. Oh, oh no, no, no! Right, what I'm saying is Biden. Right, Biden has to be gone and replaced by a Republican, preferably Ron DeSantis. But saying that's the case, saying saying if it's saying let let's just in a perfect world say if Biden's gone, it'll be DeSantis replacing him. That is when things will begin to change. Because all the military vaccine passports will be gone. You know, you won't you won't need the Demo- you won't need the Republicans to file it's lawsuits. Yeah, you won't. And he'll and and the leader of the country will be doing what the leader of Florida did, which is saying, take the fucking mass off, get back to work, stop relying on the government. Vaccines are, are optional. Let's stop talking about this stuff. Let's move on. That'll be the vibe. That'll be the vibe. And once that becomes the vibe, once that becomes kind of the 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 um the general ideology from the leader, from the top, from the president of the United States, you'll see, you'll see it whittle away. You'll see COVID policies, masking, all this stuff just go away and die away. That's what's going to happen. Even in places like Oakland. I agree with you. 100% agree with you, you know, that this, this, so much of this is top down. And if DeSantis was to, to become president, I totally agree with you. But Blue Cities, our governor would be, be putting up a fight. And they would be prolonging this hellishness as long as they possibly can in blue states and blue cities. But I agree with you. In general, uh, a huge shift would, would come if DeSantis was elected. If DeSantis isn't elected, we've got some problems. Well, of course, depending. I mean, you know, there will be other options, obviously. No, but, but I mean, if, 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 a, if a non-Democrat, let's <laughs> put it this way, if another Democrat is elected president, we've got huge problems in this country. Oh, this, uh, this, no this doubt is, about it, of course, of course. This is, I mean, I, and I'm speaking as a lifelong Democrat, someone and, and someone that still considers themselves liberal. 
but someone that recognizes that the entire Democratic Party has become illiberal. We, we've got a major problem here, and we've got a problem that is, it's, it's all the way down to the end of it. It's, it I want to say down to the family level, it's, but it's, it's beyond that. It's down to the individual level. It, there's this something that is eating at, at, the, at the souls of every American at this point. But then again, then again, in a way, I don't think anyone really cares what Biden says anymore because Biden himself a few months ago came out and said, remember that Biden was doing that walk through the plant and he goes, COVID's over. He says the pandemic is over. Isn't it great people aren't wearing masks the way it's supposed to be? So even Joe Biden goes around saying the pandemic is over. Isn't it great that nobody's wearing masks anymore the way it should be? And yet they still bring back masks. So they, they don't even they don't even trust their own leader. OK, they don't even the Democrats don't even trust their own leader because they know they know he's a fucking idiot. They know he's got dementia. They know he's on the way out. So they don't even trust what he says anymore, right? So this whole idea of they, this whole idea of they're going to listen to what Biden says is not really true. This has become such a, this has become such like a Frankenstein monster. It's so out of control that it doesn't matter even when their own president, who they supposedly love and adore, and is the anti-Trump, says the pandemic is over, the masks are off. They still go back to the same old shit they were doing two and a half years ago. Agreed, agreed. Um, Biden can't seem to stop this. That's why I'm saying this is something that is eating at the fabric of our society at this point, especially in blue cities, or should almost entirely and only in blue cities. Like you said, you can go to places like Texas and Florida and, and most of those um, states and cities uh, that, you know, that they can't even believe that uh, Oakland and San Francisco <laughs> is the way it is. Yeah, yeah. Matt, Matt, Matt Getz said, Matt Get, you know, Matt Getz, Matt Gates, he's never yeah. at a loss for words. He's uh, speaking his mind, said in Florida, if you're wearing a mask, we just assume you're hideous. And yeah. that was hilarious. I mean, and I, I, I've often been a little bit nicer than that. And in a way, not really. I've said, if, if you're wearing a mask now, if I see you wearing a mask, I assume one of two things. You're either me- well, fit mentally or physically uh, ill, or you're going to r- try to rob somebody. That's all, that's all I can think right now, basically, because yeah. the only ones who are really the people who are really wearing masks are the criminals. We see it constantly on these video cameras. I, I have not seen one criminal act that they show on video cameras where the criminal is not wearing a mask, a cloth mask. I've never seen it once. I've never seen it once. And that's because they we have normalized this now. So you, you no longer look at someone when they're wearing a mask and go, oh, we got to watch out for this person. You accept them as being a normal person. You accept them as being part of a, a, a normal civilized society. And they're not. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So um, I'm, I'm going to say good night. I just leave you with these words that, um, that um, yeah, there is something in Blue Cities that is very, very um, psychologically disturbing right now. It's hard to put a finger on exactly what in their society is is emanating from, Um, but there is a very self-destructive sort of element in our blue cities right now. And I don't don't know how to stop it. And And I'm not hearing any great suggestions at this point. Because yeah. where this suggestion is going to come from right. these self-destructive people, it's like talking to an addict at this point is right. what it feels like when talking to blue city liberals. It's like talking to an addict. When you talk to an addict, 
Is an addict going to give you suggestions about how they can get their life together? No. 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 Of course not. Of course not. Look, like I said, when you talk about throwing money at things, it's just an easy way of saying, get out of my hair, right? Exactly. Yeah. Get out of my hair. That's it. Yeah. No, here, here's the money. Go, go away. Go away. It's like people do it to the homeless all the time. Here, here's 50 cents. Go away. Here's a dollar. Don't bother me anymore. You yeah. know, that, that, that's going to help them. That's going to get them off the streets. It's, it's ridiculous. Stop the damn thing. No, not at all. Daniel, thanks for the call. I appreciate it. Have a great night. It. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Lance, I'm going to put you on again, but I want to, I want to, I want to warn you ahead of time. I want to get to this article on Tim Robbins um, talking about how he's sorry for, um, and I, I'm going to, I'm going to pretend he's talking about, I'm going to pretend he's talking for all liberals. Of course he's not. He's talking for himself, but uh, how he saw the light on the media bias when it comes to COVID. Uh, I want to get to that article, but Lance, Lance, did you have something to add? Yeah, I was, I was, I was totally on board with the, with the, with the, with the lockdown bullshit. That was me a culpa, man. Hundred percent wrong, and you know, conservatives were right, and they weren't just doing it from gut feeling. They had the good, they had the receipt. They were listening to smart doctors. And- Liberals, and I, you know, I, I just was why. Yeah, yeah, no, I was wrong. But Klaus Schwab, just leave you with this before you do that, real, 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 real quick. Go ahead. ahead. Green earlier, right? Klaus Schwab, he sounds like he he sounds like more words. He sounds worse than Doctor Strangelove from the movie Doctor Strangelove, right? Great. Uh, <laughs> you know, the funny thing about Klaus Schwab is that he he seems like he's right out of a James Bond, a villain out of a James. No, Bond. you took my thought. Damn you. No, but it's yeah. true. It's true. It's true. It is. It's so obvious, I guess, right? I'm like, doesn't he sound exactly like what like a, a good actor would try to be sound like the worst Bond villain ever? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Klaus Schwab, man. You can't make this stuff up. No, look, I mean, I've, I've said this before. You would think they would try to find. This shows they're not trying to hide. Once again, he wrote a book called The Great Reset. They're not trying to hide anything. If they were trying to hide it, they would find a young, good-looking guy to 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 be the front man, not Klaus Schwab. But they don't care. Yeah, they don't care. Well, they don't want to. They're not trying to hide their evil, man. They're trying to go full. They're trying to say we're going to overpower you, and you're not going to be able to stop us. Well, it's like well, yeah. Well, Elon, Elon Musk wants to put uh, silicon chips in our head, just like Klaus Schwab. You know that, right? Well, all these guys, these techie, these wealthy tech people, have these great, these weird ideas sometimes about things. You know what? You know what I would like, Lance, to tell you the truth? I would like I, – I would be all for if I could get a – once again, this all has to be optional. Look, Lance, if something's optional, I don't care. You can do whatever you want if it's up to the individual. But, of course, we can't have the gov- big government telling us we have to do things. But if there was a chip that I could implant in my head where I would know 17 different languages immediately, I would do it. Wouldn't you do it? I would do that. Yeah, but then they could probably go in there and hack it and like program you to like be some kind of robotic, like, you know, slave to some other thing. You know, they could just reprogram it from afar. Of course, (laughs) I'm thinking, I'm thinking of positive things you could do with those chips. Of course, there'd be so many negative things that the government could do with those chips. You know what's crazy? You know what's crazy? So, okay. Long story. So I, you know, I was fairly well read on civil rights. I was a lefty all my life. Oh, blah, blah, blah. Okay. Whatever. Then, when I went out in the real world as a young adult, paying rent, you know, for the first time, and out of my first couple of years of college before I went back to college, and I met, there's no other word for it, radical lesbian feminists. 
and they schooled me. And I had a girlfriend, you know, who was just straight, straight woman, you know, obviously. And she taught me some stuff about, you know, different things like the Tao Te Ching, different things about uh, um, some hippie stuff, but it's like Eastern religious stuff and all that expanded my horizons even <laughs> further than I had kind of done as kind of nerdy, but kind of well-read. <laughs> One of the things that these radical, like, you know, they got a couple things I thought were conspiracy theories, like about the Illuminati and going tracing back all the world leaders back to the, you know, ancient Egypt and all that. One of the things they talked about was in about within a few decades, they said, if you don't allow them to implant a microchip under your skin, you won't be allowed to participate in society. That's fucking exactly what they're doing. They're going to use a combination of the, these implants with social credit. And if you don't, if you don't up to snuff and turn to being a good social citizen the way they want, they can do what they did with the truckers and freeze your accounts and all that. I'm like, wow, these, these women were, they were. I'd worry about, I'd worry about Bill Gates before anyone else. I would. I'd worry about Bill Gates before anyone else. Gates has been the most, I guess, open about wanting to do these crazy things. And remember, Bill Gates, Mr. Mr. Vaccine. He's the one. Wow. He's, the, he's the only real million billionaire out there who really pushed this thing publicly. You know, he's crazy. I mean, him and his wife—they're both nuts. You know, and so he. Believes, yeah. So I, I think he's one of the more dangerous people. Oh, absolutely! But all these guys, like Sam, ba Sam, that Bankman Freed guy—he is a total creature of Democrat. Total creature of Democrat. He's a Democratic, you know, construct. But the, all these guys. What's so bizarre about Musk? They want this modern day eugenics. They want to put their DNA on microchips and, and orbit it around the planet so that when the earth gets destroyed a thousand years from now, they can take that DNA on Mars when they do their rockets to Mars and, 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 and populate Mars with the smart, fancy people that, you know, the elites. Right. What's so funny about that and crazy about that is that even if it were true that these people really were smarter and quote unquote better, it would be sick. But they're not. They're the worst. They're the worst. They're so elitist and they're so far removed from reality. Quick, 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 quick story. So the theory is, go Blacky Tepe. The theory is, according to Graham Hancock, was you had advanced civilizations. The whole, all of Earth got destroyed, you know, in, in, in a major way. The vast majority of it did, you know, like the way the dinosaurs did millions of years ago. This is 12,000 years ago. Watch me tie this up in a bow in about less than two minutes, right? So this go Blacky Tepe. And they said that there was a, a, a bunch of comet fragments from a gigantic comet that's in a really huge orbit that you could, to this day, it still exists. But the fragments, when it came around once, 11,000, 12,000 years ago, 11,600 years ago, the fragments caused so many cataclysms, you know, in a pocket, in a little, you know, like, like nuclear explosion, whatever, where it rocked the earth so bad that it wiped the planet, you know, for a loop so that. The survivors, it didn't wipe us out entirely, but the survivors that were advanced, the elite advanced ones that could build fancy stuff, they were ragged. They were wandering around just like everybody else. They ran across hunter-gatherer, so-called more primitive people, and it was the hunter-gatherers that showed them how to survive because when the apocalyptic kind of, you know, the comet fragments hit, they were the best adept to live off the land and to live like primitive people because everybody had to live primitive because we got knocked for such a loop. Right. Okay. Yeah. So my point though is, is that it's so preposterous to think now that's a theory, but so what I'm going to say this, the idea that 
these fucking elitist, out of touch assholes are somehow they've been they've been self like like in inbreeding almost and just like self selecting that they, it's got nothing to do with merit. It's got to do with inherited money for generations. My fucking Christ, George Bernard Shaw wrote fucking brilliant satirical plays about how stupid and backward and and goofballish and nerdy and and out of touch and how, how literally stupid and inbred the fucking elites are and here's elon musk say yeah we're the ones that are smart we got to repopulate now you asshole the ones that are more likely to survive any kind of like apocalyptic thing or anything it's going to be the working class people who have the street smarts in addition to the intelligence and not you ivy league out of touch elites you fucking eugenic fucking fascist fucking Lance, sc- Lance, oh my- Lance, Lance, let, let me let's move on <laughs> i understand your anger i feel as you know you listen to this show i have the same anger although right now i'm not i can't i don't want to put elon musk in that category because he is doing so much good right now at exposing everything that's been going on the last few years as far as big government trashing our constitution especially the fbi but what i want to get into now is 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 you know we've been trashing liberals i trash liberals all the time on this show for good reason but Tim Robbins, you know, who you was married to Susan Sarandon, who was and two you know, big liberal power celebrity couple. Tim Robbins is an extreme leftist. He's as far left as Stephen King or Rob Reiner, George Takei. You know all the players, but none of them have or ever will, I believe, say what Tim Robbins said on the Russell Brand show. He came out earlier this year against the vaccine mandates for fellow thespians. I know a lot of actors on Twitter who have been caught in that cycle, that horrible of not being able to get a job because they're not vaccinated. If you follow an actor named Matthew Marsden, a British guy who now lives in Texas, Matthew Marsden, he has talked about this. He's talked about the fact that he could not get roles because he was not vaccinated. So, Robbins came out earlier this year against the vaccine mandates for actors, understanding it made little sense given what we've learned about the medication. The jab doesn't stop the spread. No, we know all that, right? So he went on Russell Brand, and he said he finally realized how initially, following the government's COVID-19 protocols and silently shaming anyone who didn't, was wrong. He then traveled to England in 2021 and saw many people defying those orders. He predicted death and destruction would follow, except, of course, it didn't. And that's when his awakening began. He later joined an anti-lockdown protest in New York City, noting how the media's description of the protesters didn't match the reality. I'll get to more of this, but this is what we need more of. This is what I'm talking about. People who have eyes and ears and see things and see what's happening, okay? And wait, go, wait a minute, that doesn't, that doesn't match with what I'm being told. It would be like, well, he went, to, he went to England, but he could have gone to Florida. It's like a liberal going to Florida and saying, wait a minute, wait a minute. They seem pretty happy here. They seem pretty happy here. I don't think everyone's dead. I'm talking to many older people who are out, not wearing masks, maybe vaccinated, maybe not. And the economy's great and there's tourism and there's a great energy and the soul hasn't been ripped out. And it's the exact opposite of what the mainstream media is telling me. Maybe I've been lied to. Okay, there are enough of those people. Tim Robbins seems like he's one of them. These weren't hateful bigots on, in these protests, he said. It was fellow liberals recoiling 
against government overreach and media misinformation. That led him to publicly distance himself from the art world mandates via Twitter. We became aware of the idea that the vaccinated could spread the virus and catch it like the unvaccinated. To continue the policy of lockdowns or mandates after that didn't seem to be following any science, he said. It was following a political agenda, political science. That's where I really started to have problems with it, Robin said to Brand, who'd been tracking pandemic misinformation for months on his YouTube and Rumble accounts. Robin's, his inner liberal starting to emerge, noticed other Orwellian signs tied to the pandemic. He saw official bodies changing the meaning of established words like vaccine and denying against the scientific consensus that national immunity mattered. The fact there were these changes of definitions, my alarm bells went off. I wondered, what's going on? In the past, natural immunity was one of the building blocks to moving forward, he said, questioning why the scientific community, including Fauci, dismissed it. He also questioned why entire communities locked down a policy that clashed with previous dictates. The WHO changes protocol on virus outbreaks. In the past, you locked down the vulnerable, but you let society go on so it could build its herd immunity. This was changed as well. We went into lockdown with healthy people and children. Exactly, you see. Robbins acknowledged he lacks the medical background to fully process evolving research on viruses. He's still aware of how the lockdowns and misleading policy pronouncements impact his fellow Americans. We turned into tribal, angry, vengeful people. And I don't think that's something sustainable for the earth, he said, noting how some, including Kimmel and Stern, suggest the unvaccinated wasn't, weren't worthy of hospitals, let alone treatment. And I believe Sean Penn said something about we should be locking them up in camps. He noted how the different, that, that he noticed how that differed with drug addicts who through their own toxic choices became critically ill. We take care of them. We save their lives. We're compassionate, he said. That wasn't how many viewed the vaccine hesitant masses. This turned into you should fucking die because you have not complied. It's incredibly dangerous. Okay. This is great. This is exactly what, but this is exactly what we said from day one, right? But, but, but we have to give credit where credit is due. And Tim Robbins believed one thing. He believed his narrative that was coming from his people, if you will, from his side, from the anti-Trumpers, whatever. He believed that at the beginning, at the outset. There was fear. There was, there was uh, fear of the disease. There was a lot of hysteria and he, he, he got, he, he, he bought into it. But then because he's a thinking human being, he saw things that were not matching, that were not making sense. These things weren't working. They were hurting more people and they were helping. He saw this. He saw how the media and his people were lying and distorting the reality and the truth. And so he changed. This is no small thing. It really is no small thing. I have to give Tim Robbins a lot of credit. And and remember, it's no small thing when you're a, cele- a liberal celebrity in Hollywood. You're putting your ass on the line. You're putting your ass on the line when you say this stuff. Okay. This is akin to the people coming out during the McCarthyism days and saying this is wrong. I mean, that was very dangerous to do. It might, it's, it might not be quite as dangerous, okay, but still, I believe this is the same thing of a person saying, what I'm seeing is not right. What I'm seeing doesn't compute. It doesn't make sense. It's not moral. It's not ethical. And I'm going to have to fight back and, and do the right thing. And so that's great. I, we need more of this. 
We need more of this. Now, there will be people on the left who will say, now Tim Robbins is a Trumper. Oh, what are you, you like Trump now? I mean, that's what, that's what many of these morons would say because they have no way of combating truth and reality. So they'll say stupid things like, oh, what are you, a Trumper now, Tim? Believe me, there are people who are thinking that if they haven't already said it on Twitter because they're morons. So let's give credit where credit's due. And let's hope there are a few others out there. I, I don't think it'll be the majority. I don't think it'll be even 10%. But let's hope there are a few others out there who follow Tim Robbins' lead. Maybe Susan Sarandon will, if, if they still like each other. I think they do. Tim Robbins is also a big New York Rangers hockey fan, so I like him for that also. Okay, Bill, what's up? Hey, Mike, can you hear me okay? Loud and clear, yeah. All right. Well, uh, there's a lot that dovetails here. Um, has Trump pivoted yet on this? Where is he? I, I haven't heard anything from him lately regarding the vaccine. Has he sort of like... No, Trump is still... Look, come on. That's Trump's big uh, quote-unquote accomplishment, right? Operation Warp Speed. I mean, his whole his whole thing is it was my thing, not Biden's thing. So he's taking... Trump is such an idiot that he's taking responsibility for doing a bad thing. <laughs> he's taking, he's saying, no, I was the guy that did that bad thing, but he's trying to twist it as being a good thing. How, I don't know. How, I don't know. I, I don't get it. And when he goes to rallies, he mentions the vaccine in a positive way, and he gets booed. They boo him. His own people who love and adore everything about him boo him when he still continues to talk about the vaccine in a positive way. So, no, he's still doing that. He's still doing that. Yeah. Well, the good news is Ron Johnson, um, obviously, uh, out of Wisconsin, had another vaccine roundtable, right, uh, about a week or so ago. At the same week, we had DeSantis have one. Of course, they, none of them made it on YouTube or in the mainstream media at all. And uh, where they had the good doctors, you know, that are... Um, bringing out what we're always for the early intervention the of the repurposed drugs etc cetera, etc cetera. you know the, the doctors we're talking about yeah who you know and the other good thing of which you probably covered i just slept through some of your shows because it's at two in the morning i missed a couple of them I and mean, you may have covered it how how um DeSantis is putting together a, a um, investigative yep. team yep. to, re you know, this to refute the disinformation yep. coming from the Fauci mob. You know yep. what I mean? So yep. this is a plus. Yeah. And, and he's going to, they're going to, he's going to, if, if, the, if he gets enough facts, enough evidence, they're going to sue Big Pharma. They're going to go after Big Pharma. Hopefully we'll get other people from other states involved. Now, um, you probably covered the young boy who, that, that, that the courts took away. From where the guardianship moved through the courts, took the baby from the parents. Um, oh. to, you oh. heard about that, right? There were several stories about we, you know, we only heard about a few of them. You know, there were so many of yeah. those that we didn't hear about. It was awful, yeah. awful. I mean, Nazi tactics, absolutely, no doubt about it. Baby dies of a blood clot 12 days after. The worst yeah. fears. I can't imagine what it's like for those parents. I, I have no idea. I can't imagine. Yeah, and we heard stories during COVID. And once again, for every one story we heard, you know, there were probably hundreds or thousands just like it where. Parents who were not vaccinated, they would take it away and give it to a parent that was, right? Parents who were in custody battles and, or, or, so, or a legal guardian who wasn't vaccinated, they would take the child away. They were doing this in Canada as well, taking yeah. the child away because the person wasn't vaccinated. I mean, we are definitely, I mean, you could just, it's, it's, it's total fascism. It's, a, yeah, it's it total fascism. Yeah. I mean, we yeah, saw that. Right. We saw many cases of that, you mm -hmm. know, 
And it, it's, uh, I think Tim Robbins touches on it. It's just a very dangerous, it was a very dangerous kind of cultish group thing yeah. that did that. Yeah. Do you know that John Hopkins put out a study called the SPARS 2025-2028? No, what is yeah. that? What's that? SPARS is, you know, remember how they had um, the 201 tabletop on the vaccine? I'm sorry, on the virus event 201 uh, Operation Lockstep with Rockefeller Foundation. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. Was, okay. Right, okay. that was prior to this pandemic actually coming down, right? Mm -hmm. Well, John Hopkins University, SPARS 2025 to 2028, saying that virus is going to hit. There'll be no medication. They'll come up with something they call VMAX. You know, the, it's just a tabletop thing right now, but it's laying out the exact same scenario. And that'll be, you know, forcing vaccines on people. So they, they, they got, they're looking forward to more of the same. You follow me? Yeah. Daniel yeah. just, uh, I want to read something on the subject now. Daniel just tweeted me something. Someone on Twitter said, I refused to enforce the vaccine passport and lost my business. I went down yeah. in flames, but it wasn't the words of my enemies that hurt me the most. It was the silence of my many friends. Doesn't that tell yeah. the story right there? And there was, yeah. there was this incredible silence of people. Where it was just like we're not going to. Like I said, there were there were those different categories of people, and they were the same. I put them in the same category of the people who would uh, in in Nazi Germany when it comes to Anne Frank. There were three categories yeah. of people, right? There were the people who would actually hide Anne Frank. Obviously, the small minority of people would go out on a limb and do something as courageous as that, hide Anne Frank. Then there are the people who would know where Anne Frank was, but just you know would 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 not say anything would be neutral. And then there were the people who would point out and say, hey, look, authorities, she's in that window. She's up there. And I think those are also the three sections of people we saw during COVID. And, and, and the silence is almost, almost as bad as, as, as the silence is almost as bad as actually pointing out Anne Frank to the authorities. But there was just so much silence. So many people who just let things go when they knew they should have spoken up and said, this is, this is wrong. This is just wrong. This is really weird when you think about it. You had people who would be, you know, in their 70s or 80s that they say were at highest risk, which would have been the the Woodstock crew. You know what I mean? The hippie crew. Like, where were they? Like, they were so frightened by this. And yet, of course, the media, we saw these people laying uh, prone on ventilators in Italy and scared the living daylights out of everybody. Nobody really knew what was going on. You, you know what I mean? That was mostly do people with comorbidities and I'm remdesivir or some other drugs, uh, metabolites, I forget what they call it. Once you put on a, a ventilator, you got to be put on some medication. Um, uh, so you don't aren't awake to rip the damn thing out. You follow me, which suppresses your breathing. You see what I mean? And your heart, it was a combination of things. Um, well, those ventilators, it, yeah, those ventilators killed a lot of people, and that's what yeah. killed that killed that killed people. I, I don't know if we can say it killed yeah. as many people. It killed a lot of people as ventilators. Many of those people would have survived. But I remember in the early days, we're talking April of May of 2020. I would go on YouTube, and there'd be one of those rebellious doctors who would say, "This is we're we're, we're treating this wrong. We're putting we're yeah. just like we're just putting people on ventilators when we shouldn't be doing that. That's like a it was a thing that was done out of nervousness, out of fear." 
once again, we're talking like medieval Neanderthalic thinking about this disease. We'll just put them on ventilators, right? And because we're going to be so overwhelmed, the people who are really, who we consider really bad off and older, we're just going to put them on ventilators and put them to the side and concentrate on these other people. We think we can help more. But he said, we should have been, I remember this as though it was yesterday. He said, we should be handling this more like high altitude sickness. We should be handling it more like a high altitude sickness and not putting people on, we don't put people on ventilators if they have altitude sickness. That's not what we do. We should be handling it in a different way. Just give them general oxygen and other medications that will help them breathe. He said this, and this guy was like a pariah. They treated him like a fucking pariah, this guy. I think they took down his videos. They deleted his account. No, you're, you're a pariah. It's, and this was over. This was over and over and over again. Over and over and over again. You saw people on YouTube crying about how this was being so poorly handled and how they couldn't speak out or they'd lose their job as a doctor or a nurse or a head of a hospital. This is so Bill, I cannot wait until these Twitter files come out that show all all of this collusion between big government and, and Fauci and his friends against really good smart doctors like Jay Bhattacharya, Marty McCarry, Peter right. McCullough. I mean, I think it's I think it's going to be, like I say, more intensive and even worse than the Hunter Biden cover up. Yeah, I agree. I just let folks know in the live chat, I put a link into this spars uh, tabletop exercise. John Hopkins, you know, it's a 77, 78 page PDF day to day what, you know, played out how they're going to play it out. You know, they we have them manipulating uh, viruses. We know this because Boston University and then the London uh, Imperial College, Imperial College of London, I should say, came out with that chimeric virus that had 80% death rate on humanized mice. So they can't deny that they've been doing a gain of function, right? I mean, that's obvious. How can they then backpedal and say they're not doing this? You know, the one I'm talking about. The news that came out on that, uh, yes. Mike? Yes. Yeah. Yes. So that, it's like, oh, no, that's like, holy shit. It's like or you have to deny what you see with your eyes and hear with your ears with these fucking tyrants. You know, it's absolutely insane. So I don't know. Uh, for those poor people who were forced uh, due to economic uh, extortion, um, you know, they got to pay the rent. They got to... You know, feed the families, firefighters, uh, policemen, doctors, nurses. Um, just, uh, I feel for those people because, you know, th- there are studies that have shown that four months away from the vaccine that people were still producing spike protein. You know that. It was not supposed to work out that was from. It was supposed to stay in the delta and only produce it for right. a very yeah, short right. period of time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so they had said to show four months out, they were still producing fine and spike protein, which means the only way that would happen is it would be produced. And um, that was, then I did the, um, in the, in what they call in vitro studies with um, the, the vaccine, seeing that it actually causes what they call a reverse transcriptase and integrated into the DNA. And they're like, is that really happening in the body? It's, you know, and so where's, where's the freaking in vivo, you know, in, you know, from live animal testing to get a definitive on that. The, those, the, the in vitro tests were nine months ago on this uh, reverse transcriptase action causing the spike protein to integrate into the uh, mechanism, uh, the gene 
therapy, whatever you want to call it. It's nine months. I mean, the, the, the way they drag this out, do you follow me? It's yeah. like, yeah. it's like yeah. they have eugenics plans. So by the time people find out what the freaking is going on and get actual informed consent, well, it was up to them. They, they never would have gotten it for 55 years. Do you once follow again, me? I once again, I'll, I'll, this is what's going to happen in the coming months and years. Yeah. The people, once we really know the full story about how, how destructive these vaccines have been, the, the, the um, company line, because we know with Democrats, like I said, when it comes to crime, immigration, they deflect, they blame other people, they blame other countries, they blame the world, they blame everyone but themselves. I think what's going to happen is we're going to hear things like, well, we didn't force people to take it. People took it on their own accord. They're actually going to pretend this. Ha they're going to try to rewrite history and say, well, people made their own decisions. People made their own free choice. We didn't we didn't force it on them. What can you do? They this is this is going to be their line. This is this is going to be their big lie and their big rewriting of history. True. That's they'll say. It was a choice. It was a choice. People people made their own choices, and we know, of course, the big lie with that. Yes, yes, that was the case in places like Florida, but not necessarily because of the federal government's. You know, if you had a job that was a federal job, mm -hmm. a federal government job, if you were a military person, yeah. if you worked in the military, lived in Florida, you had to take the vaccine, right? Or you got fired. Yeah. It didn't matter if it was under the federal purview from the biden's purview you were fired no matter what state you lived in ronda sanders right. couldn't protect you from that so people were this is this is going to be this is going to but we have to keep talking about this because we know just like with these twitter dumps the mainstream media won't even talk about it right. they won't half the country half the country half the country can die from this vaccine and the, and the legacy media won't talk about it well the thing is as we I heard from Dr. Ryan Cole, pathologist, early on, and we we're from the the uh, mortuary um, doctors, I should say, the funeral home do uh, funeral home technicians. I don't know what to call them, really, guys who, who do that work. Mm -hmm. um, they're finding all these blood clots, you know, that are highly unusual, a high percentage of them, mm -hmm. um, and they're talking about it. They're talking about it, as we know. The, the mainstream med medical community is just denying it has anything to do with the vaccine. That even the myocarditis, pericarditis, even though there's so much evidence, again they're saying, "Oh no, COVID is you have a higher rate of myocarditis, pericarditis." There's no, the studies out now out of Israel, where the high, highest vaccinated areas prove that that's not the case at all. That 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 actually the people who are unvaccinated have no higher rate of myocarditis. Do you follow me? Yeah, of if course. Yeah, I understand. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's nuts. It's it's like we're living in the some type of twilight zone. It, exactly, exactly. Of course, it's just it's simply just deny reality. Yeah. Keep the narrative going, full speed ahead, and just deny reality, deny facts, deny yeah. ev deny evidence. It just it doesn't exist. It doesn't exist, and it's much easier when you have the FBI working uh -huh. in cahoots with the big government, the FBI, the CIA uh -huh. working in cahoots with Twitter. What has you know 250 million users and just oh. eliminating all this information it doesn't exist hey Dan, bill it doesn't exist man what are you talking about because they they just they just censored it they just deleted it they delete reality that's what the, that's their game that's what we're seeing now they simply delete reality and therefore yeah. they can have their own reality uh -huh. and that becomes the narrative that becomes the prevailing narrative but you know what little by little we're chipping away at that i really do believe that I think little by little we're chipping away with when you have extreme lefties like Tim Robbins coming around and you have all these dumps on Twitter and all this stuff being revealed. 
I think we're we're we're, we're chipping away at their we're, we're chipping away, and I think we're going to defeat them. I really do. I hope so. You I know, do. people. That, you think they remember Lorenzo's Oil? There was even a movie made of it. It was the those. I parents. saw that. I love that. A great movie. Yeah. People who actively got engaged in their health and of themselves and their children and, and researched and dug and, you know, that that's that's what brings about sometimes change that the mainstream media isn't doing. And so this is something we know from history that even the CBD oil that, that, that is much more effective for epilepsy than any drug, you know, I mean, and then if people go into this situation, it's like people develop some weird amnesia that, that there aren't any plant products or nutraceuticals or, you know, uh, repurposed drugs that could possibly work. And how did so many people get so brainwashed? It's shocking to me that, you know, I mean, holistic medicine, Chinese medicine, uh, American Indian, or all these things have been used throughout our culture. I mean, this is like, prior to the pandemic, people didn't hear about these things. It wasn't, yeah. I just couldn't get my, I don't know. I, 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 there's not one friend who will talk to me about this. Mm-hmm. Now, no, not one relative. I don't another good film, another good film actually that, that Tim Robbins was in called Jacob's Ladder. Have you seen that one? No. Oh, oh, you have to see Jacob's Ladder. Another, that's actually another film about alternate reality and, and, and possible conspiracies, government conspiracies, and an alternate, you know, alternate reality to a real uh, parallel reality to the real reality. And I, there's, a, there's a surprise ending. I can't give it away because it'll ruin the whole film. Okay. But Jacob's Ladder is a great movie. And that's also Tim Robbins. You know, mm-hmm. So it's, you know, that's another. But, but like I said, and what we need to talk more about on a future show, by the way, I'm sure you've been following this bill, and I've been remiss talking about it was all this new evidence of the CIA having to do with JFK's assassination. You've been reading about that, right? I I believe that all along, of course, because what did he say about shattering him to a thousand pieces? But, you know, the new evidence, um, no, where's that coming? Is that leaking out from, from where? Where's well, it's that leaking le- because, it does, because Mike Pompeo actually was supposed to, you know, they, they had, it's like with the big farmer thing, where we'll give you the information in 75 years. Well, yeah. The time had passed by, and Mike Pompeo oh, yeah. was supposed to release it and didn't allow it. Mike Pompeo blocked the release. And then Joe Biden has now recently blocked the release. But Robert F. Kennedy Jr. wrote about it and all this new information and evidence that's leaking out, that's coming out, that actually proves the point that the CIA absolutely 100% had to do with JFK being killed. Once again, this is just like the Twitter files. It's stuff we all knew, right? <laughs> It's stuff we all knew was the case, but now more evidence and more facts are actually coming to light, which is making the quote unquote conspiracy theories true. Ah. The conspiracy theorists are the ones, of course, telling the truth, you know, and so this is we'll talk about this in a future show because this is really this is really huge. And it's amazing how the mainstream media is not talking about this much either, are they? I mean, has it, I know I understand COVID is, is still happening, supposedly, but hasn't enough time passed with JFK that the legacy media can actually talk about this stuff? Mike, do we live in a giant mental hospital or do we not? Planet Earth. <laughs> well, we do. I do. I live in San Francisco, so I live in an outdoor, a real life mental hospital all the time. All the time. In fact, I should have I should have a medical degree right now, having to deal with these people every day. I should have a, I, I should I should be a I should be a licensed psychotherapist by this point. Oh. You know, unfortunately, Bill. Thanks for the call. I appreciate it. All right, we're good talking to you, Mike. Okay. All right. Bye. 
Okay. All right. Well, that was a good show. Um, who called? I, wanna, I always want to thank the callers. I want to thank Daniel. I want to thank uh, Lance. I want to thank Bill. I want to thank everyone who is listening. I want to remind people that this show airs Monday night through Friday night. From uh, It starts at 11 p.m. Pacific, 2 a.m. Eastern. Um, I'm going to be on all week. I'll even be on Friday night, Christmas Eve, Eve. Let's hope people will listen and call in. I don't have to just play, you know, uh, Yule Log music all night on Friday. But, but I want everyone to remember something, that we make a difference. Your opinion makes a difference. Your influence does count. Sometimes that gets lost. We have a lot of cynicism on this show, people calling up saying, when are we going to do? When are we going to see actual things happen? When are we going to see results? Your influence counts. Use it. And part of using it is doing podcasts and, and calling in on podcasts and using call-in and voicing your opinion and really, really talking about reality. Reality, not an alternate reality that people want to create in order to push their narrative. And we do it all the time here. And we're going to continue doing that. Remember, Monday through Friday night, 11 p.m. Pacific, 2 a.m. Eastern. The show is in Let's Be Heard. I'm Mike Cachopoli. I want to thank everyone for listening. Have a good night. 